Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, the big show. The most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our car. And yes, we are in the Red Studio today. We are heading north. We're driving north. Not quite to Alaska, but does Iowa count as Alaska? I don't think it does. Not yet in December, maybe in January, late January. Beautiful day. Beautiful day. Heading toward the great state of Iowa to do some uh, something up there. Uh, actually, we're going to be recreating today. We're going to be recreating. It's a nice enough day to be out, but that's not why we are doing a podcast today. That's not the point behind it. Nor is stopping and taking a picture of this barn, which I'm going to do, so I'm going to put you on hold for a second. Sorry, I had to stop and take a picture of, a, of an old barn. It's uh, one that I've been waiting to have a good day to take a picture of, and we finally got a good day, so I just took a picture of it. I might even share a copy of that on our website at one point in time, but that old barn picture is not why we're here today either. I am already digressing. But it has bacteria in it. It has bacteria? Oh, I think we're segueing. It's not so, like a segue. <laughs> if one were to get an injury from something contained in that barn, it's possible that one could get bacterial contamination from it. Could one? One could. But is there anything that you could do? About a bacterial contamination? Was well, yeah. Is there something that you can do to help relieve that? Thing? You could wash with soap and water. Wash with soap and water? But if you did not do that, pardon me, I need to cough. <coughs> Excellent cough. If you did which not do that... You could cough from, like, tuberculosis, which you could also take... You could also take antibiotics for... With varying degrees of success. Yeah, but you'd need a lot of antibiotics if you got TB. Yeah, that's one of the things. Well, if you got a, if you got a little scratch in a barn and got infected, you know, that might not actually require you to take antibiotics, but it actually might, and it might be a good idea to have some on hand. Yeah, if an infection showed up. If it, if it showed up and it was really getting out of hand, you know. Maybe, let's say, you know, what happens if you can't get to a doctor because... Uh, the weather is, you're socked in, you just can't get out. It's snowed in, you're iced in, There's the roads are closed, it's flooded, you know, rain of toads from the sky, who knows? All kinds of stuff. Or the hospitals are inundated with people from sick from the flu and you really don't want to get yeah, the You flu. don't want to share. So? Um, what do you do? First of all, we are not physicians, and we are not going to tell you what you should do. We're just going to give you some thoughts about things to keep in mind. That's right. We are we are not physicians, nor do we play them on the Internet. She is a uh, physiologist, and she, her expertise is in pathophysiology. If you don't know what it is, like Google it or DuckDuckGo it or Epic Search it or whatever your favorite search engine is. How the body works when it doesn't work. Now you don't need to duck, duck, go it. Right. I am a PhD, but I bought mine out of the back of Rolling Stone magazine, and it's a doctorate in history, and it's totally bogus from a diploma mill. So it really doesn't count all that much in the medical field. Yeah. But it it does at those stupid parties that we sometimes have to go to. (laughs) And, and, you know, she's such and such, and you're like, and everybody else there's a doctor. and you're just like, uh, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a doctor. Oh, are you? Yeah. What's your doctorate in history? Oh, 
okay. And then I don't have to listen to it anymore because I'm a doctor of history. Again, I did buy it out of the back of Rolling Stone magazine. Get over a wiener dog. I do not want to run over a wiener dog. Um, But that's almost a digression. This is about when you can't get to what you should have, which is actual professional medical help. Maybe if you're a prepper, you've got some antibiotics on hand. Perhaps you do. Do you have the right kind? Do you have enough? Do you know how to give them? Those are kind of important issues, too. And also, not the subject of today's podcast, but we every time we talk about antibiotics, we want to make sure that you got them the right way and didn't get them the wrong way. The right way is any way that you can think of that's legal, where you can get good quality products, with the following exception. And this is the wrong way. You have a bunch left over because you didn't finish taking them the first time. That is the wrong way to get antibiotics. It is a great way to get antibiotic-resistant bacteria, which is why it's a terrible way to get spare antibiotics. Do not You'll have half a prescription of antibiotics left over, and they won't work for you because your germs have become immune to it. Woohoo! So it's a two fails in one. <laughs> yes. That's a nice... They've added solar panels. They have added solar panels to that shed, and that's a very nice idea. There's a shed over here to our our right, and it's got uh, solar panels all across the top of the barn. Good move, good move. Anyway, passing right along. So, you've got some antibiotics, and there are ways to get them legally. And because the situation is so dire, you can't get to a real physician, and you see a strong need... Yeah, you're thinking it's time to take these things. So, how much antibiotic is enough? How do you know what to take? How do you know how much to stock? That's the kind of thing we're talking about today. First deal there is the one of the best things you can do is if you're somebody who has habitually needed them because you have recurring issues, you pay attention to what your physician does prescribe for you. Uh, write down all the relevant stuff, what sort of thing he's uh, given you, uh, how much, how you're supposed to take it, whether or not you're supposed to take it with food, counterindications like don't take it if you're pregnant or don't take it if you're on birth control or use other alternate birth control. Yeah, or They're, they're going to give you these sheets that are instructions that go with your thing. Just save them and write down the dosages on those sheets. That's a really good way of doing it. Yeah, so if you're saving the... Uh, antibiotics, you stick that instruction sheet in there in a little Ziploc bag with the pills, and then you've got the information if you actually need to use the pills. If you don't have the kind of antibiotic your doctor normally prescribes, well then, you've bought something else somewhere else. You can get all that information quite easily off the net, off of quite reputable places, if you just bother to look, bother to print it out, and uh, seal it up with your drugs. Because it's very important with some of these how you take them and how much and how, how for how long. Now, here's, here's my first caveat. You ready for a caveat? I was born ready. The key takeaway from what she just said was print them out. You may not have power. You may not have Internet service. You may not have cell phone service. I know. 
in 2018, which it is right now when we're recording this, that is akin to Armageddon, the lack of having cell phone service. Yeah. It literally is akin to living in a cave. I know a lot of people who, who don't think they could function without internet service, but All it's a thing. prepping things need to be in actual writing. We're going to expand upon our prepper library because we've got a pretty pretty big one, actually. We've got an excellent prepper library, a fantastic one. Um, and we're going to be talking more and more about what's in it. Now, honestly, we don't open these books very often. We don't. I mean, we just... A lot of Martin fun reading. But, man, when you need them, and uh, well, we'll get more into this. this is a, I don't want to get off on the, on the prepping library thing, but man, when you need these books, you got to have them in book form. And when you need these instructions for uh, your antibiotics, and they're critically important, the dosage is it's just you got to nail that. And you're not going to know. You can't, it's not intuitive. It's, it's just not. And on a related problem, not every antibiotic works for everything that needs antibiotics. Different treatments are useful for different conditions. So you actually have to have a decent idea of what the problem is before you know, can decide what should be done about it. A perfect example of this. The absolute nailed it example of this. And this is much more of a female issue than it is a male issue, but it does happen in males. Yeast infections. There's a specific antibiotic for yeast infections that just nails them to the wall. But it really only is used pretty much for yeast infections. So if you are prone to them, and some people are, some people just get them over, you probably need to find a way to get a stockpile of them somehow. And there are ways of getting like animal antibiotics that are basically stated to be the same as human antibiotics. This isn't one of those. Animal, fish don't get that. Okay. So there are certain specific types of antibiotics that really are specific to needs. And you need to figure out if this is something that you have that, you know, if you're prone to getting skin infections. I know Cipro is just one that they use a lot on skin infections. Uh, but if you're prone to getting those, you know, you probably better have find a way to have some Cipro sitting around. If you're prone to getting sinus infections, there's a type or a couple of types of specific antibiotics or general, but you know. Although if you're getting sinus infections, there's about an 85% chance that they're actually viral. And right. the antibiotics are just a placebo. But you know. Right, but they give them out Occasionally all the time. Occasionally they are bacterial. Um, or so I read. And they give them out all the time. Give them out like candy. Yeah, I know. They'll say it's, well, maybe there's a secondary infection, but really they're doing it because somebody shelled out the money to come to the doctor, and they don't want to just pat them on the head and say it'll go away, which is the appropriate treatment for most viral sinusitis. But there we are. Anyway, I digress. And that was me, not a doctor talking, so take it for what you will. 
you do need to have an idea of what's going on before you know what you ought to be taking. So your references really need to help lead you through that kind of decision. And that's why I say we don't uh, just sit around and read all these books. Because it's a big, um, in some cases, it's a big list of different things it might be and how you would know it's that. I've got way too much of that in my head already for professional reasons, but I don't particularly enjoy spending my off time stuffing more of it in there. I just have references on hand, so if a situation came up where I needed to make a call, I would be able to read through it and make a call. It's not that time-sensitive a thing. Right, and of course, when we're talking Prepper Library, we're, just, we're not just talking about the Prepper Medical Library. We're talking about a complete library of all kinds of, okay, you need to do, you need to build a latrine. We've got an excellent article online on our website about how to build a latrine. And there's a specific way to do it. That's I learned a lot about latrine building writing that sucker. But if you're not able to get on the Internet, you're not going to be able to read our website. And one of these days, I'm going to uh, bundle our website up and offer it as an archive. Uh, but I haven't done that yet. But even still, you'll have to, if you want the articles, you'll need to physically print them out, else you'll be depending on a machine to be running to use them. And that's probably not as good an idea as doing it some other way. So... Having reference books on hand that help guide you through that is important, too. We actually have a couple that we keep on hand because they use the kind of antibiotics that people who are not physicians can often legally get and uh, tells you when to use them, how to use them, things like that. There are a variety of references out there. We've got two we happen to have that I think highly of. Yeah, we actually just got the new uh, Alton's book, too. We haven't really got into it. That's one of the two. Yeah, yeah, I I looked through it to see if I wanted to talk about it before I opened my mouth about it. And I was pleased with what I saw. Right. So I haven't read the whole thing yet. Yeah, we haven't read the whole thing yet, but uh, it's brand new. I mean, it is just out. So we're going to actually have more on that particular book down the road. Yeah, after I read the whole thing. I'm not sure exactly what we'll do, but... uh, uh, might even reach out to them and and uh, get a few quotes from them on it too, but uh, you know they have put out some really good information in the past. We are talking about all Alton's inf- antibiotics and infectious disease. Yeah, we're we're not a hundred percent on all the things that they are, but I'll tell you what, you know, they do a good job of lining out alternative sources of antibiotics. Yeah, they're a physician-nurse pair. And so you're actually getting it from a professional in that case. Yeah, and we're uh, not. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we have no financial ties with no. any of the people we're talking about. I just looked through the book and yeah, we've actually paid, thought it was valuable. We paid actual out-of-pocket money for the book. So The other one that I have already read and thought highly of is Where There Is No Doctor by David Warner. And there is a review for that one up on the website already. Right, and that's also one that you can go and look up on a website. That book is available for download for free. Yeah. So there's no excuse for a prepper family not having at least a digital copy of that book. Uh, and if you can, I highly recommend you get the actual hardbound version, of the, uh, hardbound copy of the latest version, uh, because it's better to have a hardbound 
but uh, if nothing else, the digital version is better than nothing. Hard copy, not hardcover. Yeah, hard copy, yeah. It's a lot so, cheaper in soft well, cover. Yeah, and, and frankly, you know, you're supporting the people for doing that. Yeah, they, they do offer away, the content for free. They give it be- away for free so the, because they it's a mission of theirs. They want people to live more healthy. Yeah, which is especially great. in the third world kind of areas where they were doing medical service and realized there was a big need for this kind of guide for intelligent lay people who were put in the situation of having to deal with things that we would prefer to have in the hands of a physician. Right, so if you purchase their book, what you are doing is basically supporting their mission along with getting a good, a really good, excellent reference of something that may, you may end up saving your saving your life or saving your toes or saving your arm or saving the, you know, the use yeah. of... Maybe your teeth if you get where, where there is no dentist. That's one that's on the shelf that I'm not reading because... Yeah, I don't like dealing with teeth, frankly, and I hope I am never put in that situation. We brush, we brush, we we floss, we, we take our, care uh, of go to the remedial. dentist regularly and put up with that nonsense. It's not nonsense; it's very important. We the insurance part's kind of nonsense. Yeah, we do, we wash, we use the uh, anti-cavity mouthwash. Yada yada, yada. We don't want to run into problems there, yeah. but. I wanted the reference on hand in case I was ever put in that unfortunate situation. Because out of out of the two of us in the family, it would probably be me in that situation, yes. of being cast as the dentist. Ew. Yeah, neither one of us wants that. So, but anyway, good reference. I assume it's thought well, highly of. It's on my shelf. Uh, but where there is no doctor, I have read and I have um, a strong appreciation for. So I have those two references. Both of them talk about both diagnosing and dosing information, as well as some important counterindications, which is what you call it. This is reasons that might make it a bad idea for you to use this particular drug. So it's all good to know. And then there's how much you should stock. Now, we keep our stock in refrigerators because it'll last longer. And keeping it dark is important because a lot of these are light-sensitive compounds. First antibiotics were actually dyes. They were all dyes, which means they absorb certain wavelengths of light. I did not know that. Yeah. The antibiotic, coal antibiotic industry was an offshoot of the German dye-producing industry. And the first drug companies were originally dye producers for chemical, uh, dyeing clothes. That's Interesting. Yeah, some of the energetics of absorbing light rays are the same kinds of energetics you need to deal with bacterial metabolism, apparently. There's some related quirks there. But, anyway. Mostly industrial things that are like that are the opposite. They're ended badly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, these things are certainly toxic in the wrong doses and uh, And taken the wrong way. That's That's the other side of it. You really kind of have to know what you're doing. Any drug in sufficient quantity becomes poison because it interferes with metabolism. Anything pretty much is a poison. Too much oxygen is a poison. Now, you can't get that standing on the surface of your planet, but you can have oxygen toxicity. It is a thing. It is a real thing. For those of us who are divers, 
who tend to go towards the deeper limits. We get into technical diving. Are you saying we go off the deep end? Yeah, we go off the deep end. (laughs) When When we get out of recreational diving and get into the technical diving that, that many of our friends, they go way deep. Oxtox is a real thing. So even oxygen can do it. And of course, oxygen has other, it's a, it oxidizes things. <laughs> Almost like the name came from oxygen. Hmm. And it can be really explosive. Why, well, yes. And cause fires. And kill astronauts. I had such a wince the other day. I was I was dealing with, for reasons we don't need to go into, reading through a report of how a fire had started in a home. And the person put their cigarette down too close to their oxygen tank. Ow. Ow. These two things do not go together, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway. Wow. Thank you for that. <laughs> I, I just read that and stopped. Blink, blink, blink. Okay, then. Moving on. Was it an older person? I do not know. The reason I'm I saying is that. hopefully that person didn't have an opportunity to reproduce those genes. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Uh, well. Anyway. Yeah. There was no injury in case anyone was worried. Pressing right along. The other th- deal is how much of the stuff should you actually have? The shorter the shelf life, the less money you've got to spend on these things, the less refrigerator space you've got to spend, and the more different kinds you're going to keep, probably the less you need. But one way to think about it is you got to decide what you're really prepping for. How many courses of this do I think it's reasonable for me to have on hand? Because you can go through this stuff really quick. Yeah. Some of these take a lot of mass per day, and some for some conditions, they need to be continued for several weeks. It adds up, so you can't just stick a bottle in the back of your fridge and know you're good. It's Do some math. Than nothing. Oh, maybe if you've got enough for well, I mean, a full course, it's better than nothing. I mean, we get pretty big bottles. Yeah, but if you don't have enough for even one full course, it's probably less than worse than useless. Yeah, but I'm I'm sitting here trying to think of how many diseases require more than a hundred count. You can buy little That's things of those three a day for a month. Pet stores show little bitty sell little bitty containers of these things with like twenty tablets in them for I, aquaria. I don't stock those. No, we don't. But they are sold that way. Yeah, but don't. I'm just telling don't buy less than 100 counts. Period. Period. That's, you don't even start with the 30 counts. You put them away. You, you buy the 100 counts, and depending upon who you have in your family, if you are all adults, don't even bother buying the smaller tablets. Buy the 500 or whatever the bigger ones are. Because most of these well, pretty much all of these, are not gel caps. They're hard pills, and they can be cut if you need to. I mean, if the dosage you need is 250 milligrams, just get a pill cutter. And that way you can cut the pill in half. But buy the 
the forte, buy the max, buy the big ones, and don't buy the little ones. One, it's a lot cheaper. And two, you don't want to be in that situation where you're only stocking half a course. As for that, you can literally take a look at the courses that are prescribed for the common conditions, count up how much you actually need, compare that to what comes in a bottle, and that'll give you a sense of how much you really have to buy to be where you would like to be. My idea is I buy the 100 bottles, the 100 count bottles, just simply because that's what I do. And I consider that to be, depending on what they are, either one or two courses, depending on what they are, per bottle. And you can see really quickly, you can go through a lot of those in a situation where there's a lot of infection around. But really, how often do you take antibiotics? You know, you haven't taken antibiotics in years. No. I have been given a really big dosage of antibiotics because I had surgery a couple months ago. But the antibiotics were all... uh, That was much less than a regular course because it was a single-day large dose, which they do prophylactically with surgeries. Right, and that was just just surgery recovery. And so that really wasn't the same thing at all. But I took a course last year for for an issue I had, and it had been... Of several years before that. So it's not like you use them that often. But that one little spider bite you got probably... The, oh it, uh, we we were buying, of course, prescription in the regular prescription-sized bottles, but you went through three different complete Horses. bottles before... Right. I went through 90 pills on that spider bite. Using two different antibiotics. Right. Before that, that situation bite. was controlled, and that could have been... Actually, I think if there had been no antibiotics on hand, there's a high probability that would have been either an amputation or a fatality. Yeah. Because sepsis is bad, people. It was really getting bad, too. I mean, it was almost emergency room bad. And they gave me a shot. And and interestingly, we finally found the one that really did more than anything on that was Cipro, which is a good skin one. But that wasn't the first choice. That wasn't, that wasn't the first, first guess for the that kind that, of infection. That mostly they went with. That was the, that was the number three, I think, because what they were going with was not working. So it wasn't even slowing it down. But it was obviously a bacterial infection. It was obvious that it was. But it just that was a nasty, nasty. And I still bear the um, scars. Scars from that, from that one spider bite. And, and a good, my good friend Rodney, he's also got. I mean, his leg is just a mess from a one spider bite. You know, Coach Rodney, if you're looking at his leg when he's wearing shorts, wow. I asked him one day, you know, why'd you get shot in that leg? And I said, nah, it's a spider bite. That's how bad they can be. So, And we actually have an article on the spider bites on our website. Yeah. Even the spider, most spider bites are not venomous. And most spider bites that are envenomed are not enough venom to be really dangerous to a human being. So the the danger directly from the venom of spiders is overblown in most people's minds. But I tell you what, they're really good at injecting bacteria. That's a problem. Yeah, that's, that's what got me. It wasn't at all. I, we weren't even sure what it was. Yeah, we're, it's, we are 
going on the idea that we think it was a spider bite because he it was, was certainly some type of bite walking in the woods and got a bite on his leg and it wasn't snake that night he had 105 degree fever he was amazing. yeah it really was bad so it can come up quick, and that's that's one of the reasons it might be valuable to have this kind of thing on hand. If it would have been in the outback or bridges down and couldn't get medical care because of some big catastrophe at the time, that is one situation I would have started dosing you myself if I could not have gotten you to somebody who knew what they were doing better than I do. And fortunately, what we would have ended up dosing me with would have probably been Cipro, because it's what we got plenty of. Yep. And it does work on skin things. It's a skin. That's one of the things it works on. But skin infections are one of the biggest infections you're going to run into. They're common. They're very common. Yeah. So. But anyway, I'm not saying, oh, go out and buy a couple boxes of Cipro. That's not what I'm saying at all. I mean, you need to you need to have a plan. You need to it's a do choice. research. You need and to read. If you're going to do it at all, you should do it right by knowing what the heck you're doing. Right, and then you should you should get the most common things that come up. You should have the most common antibiotics that you can get. Sometimes they sometimes they match up. What else you got for me? What else is in this article, this company, this thing is accompanying? That was most of it. Uh, know how to identify what kind of problem you have. Have the resources to match that up with the right kind of treatment. Have a hard copy of instructions so you know how to use that properly, how to dose it, how long to keep it up, indications and contraindications. Uh, problems to look out for while you're taking that and how to deal with those. Basically, uh, and uh, evaluating how much you might need if you're going to stock it at all so you have an amount that's actually going to be useful if you're going to do it at all. Because underdosing with antibiotics invites more trouble than it solves. It seems to solve problems in the short term, but it creates much bigger problems on the back end and things that we don't have any fix for. And especially if you're in a situation where you are having to rely on your own antibiotic stores, your choices are limited. You don't have access to the drugs that most germs are still not resistant to. You have got to use things wisely if you're going to use them at all. Or it's bad news. But... Most people have drilled into their heads. This I can't. We cannot emphasize this enough. Most people have drilled into their heads economy. That okay, she's feeling better. I can stop giving her the pills. No, no, no. You have to finish the course, even if the patient is feeling better. You have to finish. The course. 1% of all the bacteria that were there, or a hundredth of a percent, is not enough to make a person feel bad. But it is enough to refresh the population with bacteria who are resistant to the drug, and that's the heart of the problem. Yeah, because the, the bacteria resistance, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's exactly what you're doing. You're killing off the stuff that is the least resistant first. And it's the most resistant. And, and then they feel better. The, per, the patient feels better. But you haven't necessarily killed everybody, and that's why you're supposed to 
to finish the course is to get the ones that are res- somewhat resistant to start with so you don't refresh an entire population that's somewhat resistant and get a subset that's completely resistant and yeah it gets ugly from there kill them all and let nobody have to worry about sorting them out yeah just kill them all there are times when genocide is good you're not going to kill all the bacteria of a particular species out there. You just no, but you're going to kill in them your all. habitat. You don't. That's another deal. We don't care if you kill them all out there. We just care that you kill them all in there. Bacteria are good. They do a lot of great things for us. Just not the wrong ones in the wrong places. Exactly. So there we have it. Do it right or don't do it. Want to put this to bed? I think I just did. All right. Do I need to snore now? You're driving. No. Okay, you can go ahead and store then. <laughs>